glad you're in church. Are you glad you're in church? I'm glad you're in church, especially after the message last week. Woo, come on, somebody. Jesus and politics. Well, you, those are the two things they tell me. Don't ever talk about religion and politics, but how many know we got through some good stuff? Did you enjoy last week? Was it good? Yeah, I'm glad you did because it was not an easy thing for me to share. Um, but I think it's important that we uh, do our job as the body of Christ. And so that's what last week was about. If you weren't here, you can listen to it online at EncounterLV.com. How many of you ever stream with us live when you can't make it here physically? Okay, some of you don't know you can do that, but if you just go to revival.me, um, that goes right to our streaming, and so you can stream. So if you're at home, uh, if, you, if you can't make it, um, or you're just sleeping in, you know, I can't do that, so I envy you. I can't just sleep in and not show up. I got to be here. So, but some of you can, God bless you, if that's what you think going to church is, but uh, no, I'm just playing, <laughs> passive aggressive, you know. Um, but I, uh, I want you to know you can stream. So if you ever, you know, want to join us online, please. And there's probably people watching online now. Welcome. Can we just welcome all the online attendees? Woo, glory. So uh, I'm excited about sharing with you this morning. Um, would you open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, and uh, we're going to read a few verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to start reading in just a moment uh, in the middle part of the chapter. I'm not going to tell you what verse because some of you will read ahead. And I still got to do my introduction and all that. So it might be verse 4. It might be verse 7. I'm not going to say. It might be further down in the chapter. We'll just see. If you're really prophetic um, and you're, you know, led by the Spirit, you already know. Exact. No, I'm just <laughs> So... But we just welcome you this morning. And if it is your first time, I know my wife already welcomed, but just we welcome you again. We hope you feel at home. And, uh, and we love when people come. And, and some people really connect with who we are as a church, as a tribe. And, and so we, we love that. And we love people when they decide to make this their home church. Um, we want to grow together. We have big vision. How many know that our vision is big? Come on. We want to we change the world. We're going to start in Henderson and Las Vegas. And, uh, and we believe in the local church. We believe in churches all across this valley. And some people have come to our church and they don't quite connect. That's okay. You got to go where your heart is. And if you're not, get your body where your heart is or get your heart where your body is. And sometimes it's just a matter of orienting your heart and saying, you know, uh, the church isn't perfect. And if I think it is, then I blew it. Because when I walked in the door, it became not perfect. And we're people that are imperfect, but we, we want to be real. And we want you to know that your family. And, uh, and so we love you and we want to get to know you. Amen. Amen. So, uh, in second Corinthians chapter five, I'm going to just pray for a minute and, uh, man, I can just feel a stirring of the Holy spirit. How many enjoyed that time of worship? Yeah. I'm glad three, three of you raised your hand there. Praise God. Coffee wasn't strong enough this morning. Can we just put a little more coffee in the little more? No, I'm just playing. So, uh, I, I really think it's important, though, that we recognize those moments as a family in the presence of God. Um, you know, sometimes individually, you could be sitting next to somebody, and they're really, like, caught up in worship. How many know you ever sit, to any, sit next to anyone like that? Raise your hand if you sat next to someone like that this morning. Now, look at the person next to the person raising their hand. <laughs> 
But you know, sometimes someone could be really caught up in worship and you're just like, oh, the music's too loud or, or whatever. You're just tired or, and, but I, I, there's something that's really profound when we all come into that place of worship. This is why it's important as people that we honor the time of worship together. And, uh, and, and we come in here and we're not out in the foyer chatting for 20, 30 minutes. Like, and I understand that, like there's a time for fellowship, but when we come in to this room, we come with the intent of prioritizing the presence of God. How many could say amen to that? And, and when a people do it together, when they really like orient their hearts together at surrounding the presence of God or surrounding the throne and prioritizing the presence of God, we encounter God differently. I mean, you encounter him individually. You encounter him in your prayer times. Some of you, have you ever encountered him when you're driving? You got to pull over, right? And you're just like undone. But when we worship together as a family, it's profound. And it's really profound when God manifests his presence in a way that we've never experienced as a church body. That's, that's a mark of not only the father's love, but it's a mark of a move of God and a people who are willing to take on the heart of God for a region, for a city, for the world. And I'm telling you, reformation, revival, whatever you want to call it, awakening, renewal, it's upon us, church, and, and it's upon us in a measure, and it's going to increase. How many of you revivalists can just say amen to that right there? Let me just feel a witness. Can I get a witness? Don't get me going now. Because y'all look sleepy and whatever. The chosen frozen. Yeah. Welcome to the church of the chosen frozen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Praise God. So, um, but man, there's a, there's a profound revelation of the love of God. Hear me. When we all orient our hearts in worship. And the worship doesn't have to be perfect. The worship's anointed. It doesn't have to be perfect. The sound doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be per- I can worship in any environment, man. I've learned to set my heart on heaven. And you know what? When I do, I experience God. And when I don't overthink things like, oh, the presence of God, I don't think about it like that. I don't think, and I experience more of him when I know he's everywhere and in me and through me and on me and, and God is filling all things and, and he's closer than the very air I breathe. And when that's our reality as a people, oh, I'm telling you, when people walk in this building, when they've never experienced God, it's going to hit them like a wall in a good way, like a wall, like a, just a wave crashing into their life. And, you know, that's a testimony I've heard. People, they come into our church and, man, when I walked in the building, the presence of God hit me like a wave. And that is my prayer for all of us to come into that place. And sometimes I, I encourage and I exhort with this, this type of message before I preach. But I want, I want us as a people and even myself to stay aware and to be aware of the presence of God. And sometimes... It's not in a shout. Sometimes it's in a holy, holy, quiet hush, a moment where we're all still before God and we're listening and our hearts are yielded. You know, I was telling my wife before I preach my message, this is still introduction. Preacher clock time hasn't started. We ended early, so it's all good. Look at the person next to you say, it's all good. I was telling my wife recently, I said, sometimes I think our theology of, you know, sonship and and identity, sometimes we get so 
heady about it, so knowledgeable about it that we actually like, oh, you know, I don't think like an orphan anymore, but yet we become a little arrogant in our knowledge and then we become orphan-minded again. And, and it, there's something about humility that we have to keep our hearts postured in. Like, just stay, we got to stay humble. We got to stay in a place where like, I don't, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I don't know Jack. Like, I don't, I'm just beginning this journey. I think we're just beginning the journey of discovering what it is that God has for us and for humanity. And, oh man, and, and just the revelation in Jesus and, and that it's just, it's going to be for all eternity, we're going to be discovering his love. But as a people that know grace, identity, sonship, you know, like I'm not an orphan, you know, I think sometimes we just get, I, and I'm, maybe I'm just talking to myself personally, the Lord's been dealing with my heart and, and humility is so important. You know, how many know the Bible says God gives grace to the humble? Now, I don't see it as a, like, like God's like, I'm not going to give you grace, you prideful, arrogant guy, you know. But it's more like if, you, if we operate in ego and pride, then, then we literally cap ourselves from receiving blessing and grace from heaven and life and his love and his presence. But when we come humbly and reverently and, and we give over to him, we yield, we bow, we say, yes, God, There's, it's, it's so powerful what can happen. Amen. All right. So that has nothing to do with what I was going to preach. But uh, I wanted to share that. So, Father, I just thank you for your presence. Lift your hands with me, would you? And just thank God for his love. Let's come under right now the weight of his, his, his glory, his presence. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. There's no place we'd rather be. We love your presence. We love being with you. We love worshiping with the people of God. We love family. We love our brothers and sisters. We love to come into your house and give you glory and give you praise. Receive encouragement. Give encouragement. Oh, most of all, Lord, we love the way you love us. When we sit in your lap, when we metaphorically come before you in that way where we're, we're just undone, where you, you surround us with your arms. Your arms are big and strong. And they're so full of love and they just surround us. God, they're always surrounding us. It's not like we can run from you. They always surround us. We're all, you're always with us. God, you're always with us. So thank you for your mighty presence right now. Thank you for your mighty presence. Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. And just take a deep breath and just... Just breathe in his love. Come on, just breathe in him. Thank you, Lord. You know, recently my, my son Josiah has been encountering the Lord uh, last Saturday night. We had an awesome time last night praying again. Uh, but last Saturday night we're worshiping. I turn around and I start praying for Josiah. He's right here in the front row. He loves to be in church. He loves to be in here with us. And he's lifting his hands like this. And I just put my fingers on his heart. You remember that, Bubba? And he just starts bawling. And he's just experiencing the love of God. Isn't that amazing? Like just kids, just the tenderness of their hearts experiencing the Lord. I want to be like Josiah. Where our hearts are just tender before God. King Josiah in the Bible had a tender heart. We always told our son, you're like Josiah, the king. And he'd say, I got a tender heart. He used to tell 
we tell everybody, you have a tender heart. And he'd tell, guess what? I have, Mom and Dad said, I have a tender heart. So proud of you. Lift your hands, Bubba, right now. I'm going to pray for you. Would you just pray for him? Father, touch him with your love. Shh. Don't you love his presence, Josiah? Isn't it awesome when God's love just fills you up? Yeah, it's good, huh? Amen. Have me say, I want to be like Josiah. Come on. I want a tender heart. I want a tender heart. Thank you. Can you feel the presence of the Lord right now? Thank you, God. All right, well, let me just start preaching, I guess. Uh, so in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, beautiful scripture. Let's just read from verse 14. Anybody have it? Let's see how many Holy Spirit-filled people are actually here. No. <laughs> For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and for them that was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Just let that sink in for a minute. So from now on, Paul says, don't regard anyone from a worldly perspective. From a worldly point of view. He goes on, he says, Though we once regarded Christ this way, we don't any longer. Therefore, this is the verse most of us have memorized. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation Here's the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. See, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And and then it says, not counting people's sins against them. Well, let that one sink in for a little bit. Not counting people's sins against them. That doesn't sound like something the church does too well. Maybe we should like rethink, maybe we should just meditate on this passage for about a a year or so, right? And then it goes on, it says, um, and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as the God we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul's like, I want you to know this reality, the, the immensity, the inclusion the broadness, reality of what Christ accomplished in his work, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension. It's way bigger than you can imagine. Um, and so, Paul, I love this because, and I want to talk about this because I, I think sometimes, how many of you ever feel like you hold your sin against you yourself, right? And there's times that, I mean, we all do that. And sometimes we think that there has to be like, we make a mistake or we sin or whatever, and we think there has to be like this long period of time before God can love us again. Have you ever felt like that? <laughs> Sackcloth and ashes, like we're in the old covenant, you know? And, and I, think, I think that this kind of verse is one of those verses that says, you know, that's just a big lie. 
and, and this performance idea or this idea that somehow God is wanting you to just pray enough or just do enough. And if you go to church every Sunday, then you're really going to get the blessing. And listen, you don't hear pastors say that. But there's this, there's this performance mentality that God wants us to, to be alive and be zealous and from a place of what he accomplished, not a place of what I can accomplish to get him to love me more. But from a reality that he loved me so much that he accomplished it all and he didn't hold my sin against me so I shouldn't hold my sin against myself and I shouldn't hold sins against other people and I shouldn't, I shouldn't hold other people's sins against them and I shouldn't, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Like we, we have this whole value system and sometimes we hold this against us. We hold the fact that we believe a lie and, and now we've encountered truth and how many know that's a process of lifetime, right? We're all being renewed and, and we're, we're discovering truth, tr- the truth of the person of Jesus and, and you know, real truths in, in life and natural laws. I mean, just truth, like, you know, in general. But how many know, like, oh, man, I, I learned the hard way on that one. Or we think we believed a lie about something. And sometimes we elevate ourselves so high, like, well, now I know the truth. And everyone else that believes a lie is just not as cool as me. But sometimes we hold against ourselves the fact that we believed a lie, hear me, and we paralyze ourselves from walking the way God wants us to walk when we do that. Not only do we hold our sin against ourselves, but we hold, uh, we hold against ourselves that we believe some lie, whatever it is, theology or a lie about ourselves or a lie about whatever, you name it. But I, I want to just... Would you let this sink in that the love of Christ compelled us? The word compel is like, it's a picture of an army surrounding a city and the people in the city just surrender and give up. Even a better, I think, analogy would be what I do with my kids. When they won't sit still, I grab them and I hold them. I've done it with all five of them, especially when they're little. You know when they're little and they just, they learn how to walk. And as soon as they learn how to walk, they think they can do anything. The other day, Layla, she's like, I want to drive your car, daddy. She's three years old. I'm like, you can't drive, little girl. And how many know Layla, her personality, she would actually try. She'd be like, you know, she'd be like, push the button. You know, she would like try to drive. And I'm like, Layla, you can't, did I tell you that, honey? She's like, I want to drive your car, daddy. And she was serious. She was about to cry because I wouldn't let her drive my car. (laughs) Miss Independence, right? Talk about ego. Layla, no. She's like, she's like, but, but listen, it's who she is. She's alive. It's like, it's who she is, but she's got to grow into who she is. She's a daughter. She knows she can drive dad's car because dad loves her and dad gives her whatever she wants. That's just, but I wouldn't let her drive the car because it would hurt her. Holla, right? God, why won't you bless me? He's like, it'll hurt you if I blessed you like that. And so, well, <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. I just said it, but, but, but the love of Christ compels us. My kids, sometimes they won't sit still long enough to let me love them. We do it in worship, you know, do the charismatic two-step and worship just right. And, you know, and God's like, would you just sit still and let me love you? Cause that's, I love that kind of worship. I love the worship where you just let me love you. Cause then we're like, we're actually communing here. We're I'm, I'm actually transforming you. Worship does way more for you than it does for God. 
And we don't worship because we want something. We worship because we honor him and we bow before him and we reverence him. But I'm telling you, there's a, a moment where we just let God love us and everything changes. But the love of Christ compels us is a way, this is what I tell my kids. I grab them and I hold them when they won't sit. And I say, you're stuck in daddy's love. They're like, <laughs> and they're trying to get out of my arms and I won't let them go. Guess what? You're stuck in daddy's love. His arms are way bigger than you can imagine. Those of you that grew up with a dad, I mean, you, your dad could beat anybody up, right? You had a father in your life. I mean, and not everyone grew up with a father, but you know, I, for me, my dad could whoop on anybody. I don't care who it was. He could whoop like 20 dudes at once. That's what I thought anyways. Your papa, and, and he's not violent, he's loving. His arms are musky, he's so full of love. His arms are so big, and he's got you, and you're stuck in daddy's love. And sometimes we think that we make a mistake, and all of a sudden we're out of God's arms. Or, and, and these metaphors about drawing near to God, and he'll draw near to you. You can't get any closer to God than you are now you can realize that you're close to God. You can orient your heart at God, but God's not far. He's everywhere. Hello? The psalmist said, I, if I go to the highest mountain, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. Hello? He's, he fills all things. And so in this passage, there's this beautiful understanding of God's love and what God was doing when, when he was working through the incarnation, through God the Son, through Christ, and that he did not hold the world's, our sins against us, or the world's sins against them. And, and how many know this happened 2,000 years ago, and even our future sins were not held against us. But the love of God was so immense and inclusive and broad. And I want you to catch this. Mystically, everyone died. It says all died. Say all. I don't know if you knew this, but in the Greek, that word actually means all. Isn't that profound? Like, listen, this is, this is a mystery. All of humanity was included in Christ's death. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to receive what he did for them. But there's an offer, and they're adopted. They're chosen. They're accepted. They're forgiven. But they've got to receive that forgiveness. See, so many times we... These verses are, these are, these are big revelations right here for us. And depending on our church tradition, we may, that may be like, well, wait a minute. Doesn't someone have to repent and they have to pray a little prayer and they have to, and then God's like, okay, I'll forgive you. No, he chose to forgive us a long time ago and it's available. It's flowing from his heart. And we just say yes. And when someone opens their heart to the love of God, they come alive. That's how it works. I think sometimes we, you know, we formulize things so much. And then if we think that way, then we're going to not only look at ourselves differently, we're going to look at unbelievers differently. Hello? Like, well, they're just not saved and they just don't know. And they, you know, and we're going to condescend the loss. And how many know if you've been coming to this church for a while, that's just not how we roll. We don't want to condescend the loss. We want to, we want to serve broken people. We want to come under. We want to lift them up. Love lifts up. And, and so we want to come under and we want them to know how valuable they are. Well, they don't have any value until they receive Jesus. Well, then why did Jesus even shed his blood? Now, when someone says, 
there, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy, you know, worthy. Like, yeah, we don't deserve, like how many know we don't deserve God's love, but that doesn't mean we don't have worth. This is so important that we get this because language is important. Being worth, not worthy is not the same thing as not having value. But, but worth, we do have worth, but we might not be worthy in the sense that we don't deserve God's love. How many know we don't, you know? Like the prodigal son, when he came home to daddy, how many know he didn't really deserve the forgiveness and love because of what he did as far as that goes? Hello? But he was valuable and the father said, my son was dead and now he's alive. Now he's home. Now he's with me. And so there's this profound revelation that not only was all the world included, but their sin wasn't held against him. And now we have that message of reconciliation. We carry the message of reconciliation, which says this, you have value. Like that is, that is the gospel is Jesus came to include all of humanity in in himself that, that we don't have to be qualified but he says, you know what? Because you're made in my image and I created you for this fellowship, you're included in this life. And guess what? You don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. You just have to say yes. God won't coerce or force you to have relationship with him. But you don't have to be like a holy person for 20 years before you can be included in, in his life. I mean, this is so simple, but it's so profound. And it really takes a long time to unlearn the orphan thinking. Sometimes we, we hear a little grace and, and we're like, yeah, grace. And then we go back into per- robotic performance mode. And God's like, would you just stop that nonsense? Would you sit in my lap and you're stuck in my love. I'm not going to let you go. You're stuck in daddy's love. And so I want you to know your worth, but I want you to know that, listen, if you've held your own sin against you, there's no need to do that anymore. If you've held the fact that you believed a lie in the past, you don't have to do that anymore either. How long does it take for us to rise up and overcome and have dominion over things that have wrongly had dominion over us? How long does it take to rise up just because we believe some lie? How long does it take? Sometimes it's like, well, it just, it's like, well, no, yeah. We just beat ourselves up. But listen, you went before it doesn't disqualify you. The fact that you believed a lie. Otherwise none of us would get anything from God. Hello. It would, it wouldn't, it doesn't disqualify you that you, uh, that you did all sorts of sins or you still maybe do all sorts of sins, but uh, can I get an amen? Whoo, come on. Sinners, all the sinners raise their hand. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but how many know that, it, listen, I, I still have this, this thing about this old covenant concept of God that was literally transformed in the light of Christ. We still want to hold on to this God of justice. Oh, justice is not synonymous with retribution. I want you to think about this. If that was the case, then why does God freely give us all things? Well, he punished his son in your place. No, you died with Jesus. So was he punishing you? All right, now I'm hitting on some things that are really bugging some of you guys. But we've come a long way, guys. Like in 500 years since the Reformation, most of Protestantism have have believed 
that in this justice thing that, listen, sin is not a juridical or legal issue. It's a ontological issue, which means it's because of our state of being that we were sick, that we have a disease and Jesus came to heal that disease. Jesus came to kill and destroy death once and for all. He came to deal with the sin issue. He came to defeat the devil on Calvary. And listen, we've got to get it. We've got to get it and say, all right, Lord, that was it. You did it. But justice is not synonymous with retribution. Sometimes the purest form of justice that actually really prevails in life is the radical forgiveness and love of God that goes to the deepest, darkest places of the darkest, hardest hearts and the the most sinfulness of sinners. And it brings life and healing and light and wholeness. And that is what the gospel is. So now I'm not going to teach you on the atonement, but I just want to challenge some of your thinking a little bit before I go any further because in Christ all died mystically 2,000 years ago. That's amazing. Like you're not included in him when you pray some magical prayer. You were included in him 2,000 years ago. Doesn't that change it a little bit for us? It's like, well, so I didn't really have anything to do with my salvation. No, you just said yes. You just said yes. And you're still being saved. Just say yes. Yes. Say no to drugs, but say yes to Jesus. Just say yes. The ministry of reconciliation. God was in Christ. You know that our message shouldn't be, well, you need to be reconciled to God. Paul said it. Be reconciled. He said God reconciled the world to himself. It was a reality saying, guys, get this. Be reconciled. You already are. Hear it. Hear the gospel message. Hello? You know, when we're ministering to people that, that haven't jumped through the same religious hoops we have, at least we think we have, What we really need to say is you were included in his love. You were accepted. You were forgiven. You were adopted 2,000 years ago. The, The papers are already signed. The whole process was done. And all you have to do is come on into the family. Oh, that I'm, listen, I'm on board. If, I, if I'm an unbeliever, I'm in my sin. I already know how messed up I am. Oh, I'm, I'm getting saved. Can you imagine the harvest that is already ripe and plentiful? We would not have room in our buildings to contain on Sunday gatherings if we got this message right here that you're reconciled and all you got to do is say yes. Oh, man, I'm, I don't know about you, but that's a good word. I want you to turn over to John chapter 5. Turn to John 5. This is a powerful story. Some of you are familiar with this story. The healing at at, uh, the pool of Bethesda. Let's start at verse 1 here. Are you all enjoying this so far? Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of uh, the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. Some manuscripts say he was paralyzed for 38 years. That's a long time. And it says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been there in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want... To get 
well? It's kind of a loaded question. And he's laying here before this, this pool and uh, with all these other people. And he says, here's his response to Jesus. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach a little historical stuff on this, and then we're going to go for it. Sir, he, he replied, I have no one to help me into the pool uh, when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, Jesus doesn't even say anything about that whole that whole thing. Now, how many of you know some of your translations might say an angel came to stir the water and then the first person in got healed? How many of your translations actually say that? Now, some of them don't because it's not in most of the early manuscripts. It's not in there. Um, and, and so Jesus doesn't even address it. Jesus doesn't even go there with the guy. The guy's like, well, I can't, obviously I can't get there myself, but as soon as he wasn't close enough to the water or, or whatever, but as soon as the, the water seemed to stir, this, this whatever they believed happened, um, he, he wasn't able to make it in there. And Jesus just says this. This is what Jesus says to him after 38 years. It's almost offensive. I mean, think about it. It's, it's literally almost offensive. This guy's paralyzed, or we don't really know, but he can't walk. He can't move. Something's wrong. And he just says, get up, take your bed, and walk. Like, that's, that's kind of offensive. Isn't it kind of offensive? He's in the midst of all these people that are, you know, they're, they're lame, they're blind, and he's just like, dude, get up and get that mat and just stop this nonsense. That's kind of like what he's saying here. Hello? Now, I don't know if you knew this or not historically. This was not a holy angel that would come and stir the water. This wasn't something the Jews believed. This was superstition. Actually, historically, it was at a pagan temple, and a lot of scholars believe that it was, it was just a sham, and it was literally the overflow of an artesian wellspring, or they had water that would come over because it would get too full, and, and they just had the, this place where people would come, and they say, oh yeah, it's healing waters, and if, if you get in, you'll be healed. And they, this is what history tells us, that they would actually plant people in there that acted lame, and they'd jump in the water and be like, oh, I'm healed, doom, 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 and then roll out, and everyone's like, oh, the angel stirred the water. Did you know that? It's, it's superstition. Now, I wonder how many of us are still sitting on our mats waiting for some superstitious thing to happen when all Jesus has to do in all in who he is and what he's accomplished is get up and walk and take the thing that's had dominion over you all this time for 38 years and you have dominion over it. There's grace for you. Rise up. It was superstition. Matter of fact, some people believe that they would charge a lot of money to sit close to the pool. It was like a pharmaceutical industry of its time. You know, we're not going to get to the root of the sickness. We're just going to give you something to just medicate you a little while. Just keep you paying, you know, the system. Ooh, conspiracy theory. The Illuminati. Ooh. I'm just messing. <laughs> you know, I realized I was thinking about this. There's a lot of eschatology that is just, it's, it's straight up conspiracy theory and it's, here's what I realized. It's very Gnostic. Now, if you don't know what Gnosticism is, enroll in our school or look it up and study it. But it's so Gnostic. And I'm like, wow, I was just, I had this like epiphany. But listen, 
in this powerful, Jesus doesn't even, and listen, here's the point I want you to get to. He was believing the lie and Jesus doesn't even tell him, repent of this lie that you've believed your whole life. He doesn't even walk him through any kind of freedom. He just says, get up, take your bed, walk. Oh man, that's a good word. I, I don't know about you. If I was you, I'd be like, I'd be doing a praise break. Come on, somebody help me out. Thank you for the golf clap, the slow clap. No, I'm just messing. So powerful. Get up. Rise up. Rise up. You know, there's been times in my life I'm sitting and, you know, sometimes we think, oh, man, I've made a mistake or I'm this or that or I'm just, no, I'm not gifted and I'm, or I'm, uh, and God's like, would you just stop? That's your ego, man. Because you're still patting yourself on the back when you do well. You're still patting yourself on the back when you spend time in prayer and then God moves like you had something to do with it. God's like, here's what he says, rise up. Take up your mat. Walk. You weren't made for this. You know, I love this. I heard a story recently. My little, uh, my daughter, Sarah, she was probably, I don't know, seven years old or maybe a little younger And we're in this house where we had a banister and she would jump off the banister and she would jump off and just, you know, kids just jump. How many thought they could fly when they were little? I still think I can do it. If I flap my arms fast enough, did you ever think you could fly? Dude, I I mean, come on, somebody. Glad you're feeling me. Oh yeah, come on. I would get a big cardboard and I'd cut like, like like it was a big, plain wing and I would fly and I would wait till it was windy and I'd go on the top of the hill and I'd jump and I would just pray I could just cruise and it never worked to this day. I still wish it worked, but I, I'm, there's a time I remember I was jumping on a banister swinging and I, I was just, I had it down and I, I, I got higher and higher. And then I went to the top and I did like a backflip and hit my head, got a concussion. That was no fun. Have you ever like tried to do something that you really believed you could do and then you fall flat on your face? So Sarah's jumping. She's doing fine. She's like seven. Well, David, David, man, David, he's like a little man, man when he's little. His voice was low, you know, curly hair. He looked like a girl, but he talked like a boy. Long hair, blue eyes, perfect eyebrows. He was a pretty boy. My son is handsome. Man, can we just do a praise break? I got handsome kids. Ooh, glory. Doom, 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 So my son tries to do what Sarah does and jump off the banister. It didn't work out. And he jumped. He was probably, how old was he? Like two? Oh, was he four? Okay. I was trying to make this story more dramatic. I was embellishing. Thanks a lot. No, I'm just playing. I honestly wasn't sure. So he jumps off, but he doesn't land like Sarah does. Like, you know, like land, he just kind of like, and his knees go into his chest and he falls and wind gets knocked out of him. Nana comes running over. Who remembers the first time you got the wind knocked out of you? You thought you were going to die, didn't you? I can't breathe. It's like the lady who did the, 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 the grape thing on live news and she tried to mess around with it and she fell. And she's like, oh, 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 oh. how many ever saw that video? <laughs> I felt so bad for it. At the same time I laughed, I can't lie. I'm in church. I ain't going to lie. You ever seen the grape crushing video The late on live news? She's like, oh, yeah, and then falls. She's like, and she just got the wind knocked out of her. And then 
And then it goes over to the other broadcasters like, oh, oh, I think she's really hurt. It's like, really? She's on the ground. Owie, 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 stop, stop, owie, owie, stop. (laughs) I'm making fun of a newscaster on Sunday morning. This is not right. So David was doing that. Owie, 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 stop. But he thought he could do it. But listen, this is what I want you to get. He could do it. Like he just, he knew who he was, but he hadn't grown into it yet. And sometimes we stop dreaming and we stop taking leaps because we get the wind knocked out of us. And we lie on our mats and we believe superstition. And God's like, don't hold it against yourself that you believed a lie. Now you know you can rise up, you can walk, you can take dominion over the thing that had dominion over you for even if it's 38 years. Jesus is straight up, all up in his face. Get up. What are you doing? It's offensive. Sometimes the gospel is offensive like that. Get up. You're made. Listen, we're made in the image of God. You can fly. God, I know we don't have wings. I'm talking metaphorically. But David, my son, now, I mean, he, he could easy. He could, I mean, my, and now he's thinking like, I want to play football. And he's dreaming. He's dreaming. But sometimes our dreams you know, because we don't take steps or we don't have dreams that, that we don't do uh, anything with what God has given us. And, and we dream, but because we're not stewarding anything that we have in our life towards that dream, it's just a fantasy. It's just a fantasy. Hello, can I? And God's like, I've given you something. I've given you. are in my hands. You're in my arms. I love you. God's got you. Papa's got you. You know, one of my... My heart cries and my messages is about significance. And I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. I feel I want to write a book and I can't even get through chapter one. Because just when I think I've got it together, God's like, you think you know how much I love you? Then I get laid out on the carpet again. Sometimes we're just, we get so excited and we're like, this is so beautiful. But we're just staring at two little threads in a tapestry of a billion different collaborated threads of God's beauty and love. I want you to read with me in Ephesians chapter one as we close. Ephesians one. Are you guys enjoying this this morning? I don't even know what I'm saying, so I have to go back and listen to the podcast and pray it's okay. Ephesians chapter one, verse three, in the message translation. Are you guys ready to get rocked? This is so powerful. This is so good. Randy's ready. He said, okay. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He is the father of our master, Jesus Christ. And he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. Wow. Just, can we just say law? I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to read the rest unless you have the message translation or you want to Uh, you want to look at it up on the screen, but I want you to just close your eyes, just receive, listen, long before he created the world, long before the big bang, whatever, however this came about, long before creation, he had you in mind. He had you in mind and he settled on us as the focus of his love. You're the focus of his love. And he settled on us so we could be made holy by his love. I just want to live a holy life. Let God love you.
Don't hold stuff against yourself. Don't hold, you believe lies and, oh man, I'm just, it's going to take me a while. I'm going to be limping for a while. No, 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 rise up, walk. Rise up, walk. You're made in God's image. You're powerful. You're a son, you're a daughter. Papa's got you. You're stuck in daddy's love. I love this. This is to me made whole and holy by his love. It's so simple, but it's so profound. We make that I, to be made whole, I got to do all this. To be made holy, I got to do all this stuff. No, just let God love you. Everything springs from that reality. Well, I got to love God. No, you can't even love him unless you know that he loves you. We love him because he first loved us. Verse five, long, long ago when he decided to adopt us. Oh, think about that. He decided, and guess what? He didn't change his mind. He decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. Oh, the adoption process. I mean, imagine parents, maybe there's some people here you thought about adopting and there's a process and there's a joy and there's an anticipation. Like, oh, I want a baby. You know, some mamas that can't have babies, some dads, they're infertile. Some, you know, our bodies aren't perfect. And, and so there's parents that, oh, what pleasure they would go into planning this. How much more with the father, son, and spirit long ago before the earth was created sat. And he said, oh, look at, that's my dream right there. My son, my daughter. And guess what? It's your face. It's you. It's, they were thinking about you. Oh, come on, get this. Well, no, no, they're just thinking about all that. No, you. You're that person that he loves. Well, God doesn't love me that much because, stop it, he loves you. You're his favorite. Just tap the person next to you and say, you're his favorite. You're his favorite. And he goes on. He says, what pleasure he took in planning this. Verse six, he wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your love. Father, would you just manifest your love on every heart in life? Would you bring the house lights down, please? I want you to, with me, would you raise your hands and just begin to receive the love of God right now? You have no idea how much you're worth to him. Holy Spirit, can you feel it in your gut right now? Can you feel God just touching your heart? He loves you. He loves you. Come under the weight of that reality. Exchange your burden of worry for the weight of his glory. He loves you. I remember we're singing the song, How He Loves Us, at a memorial service, and someone afterwards says, yeah, that's nice, but it's just really repetitive. Oh, I'll sing that all the days of my life. He loves us. Through every storm, through every valley, 
loves us and our brokenness and our loneliness and when we're going through it when things aren't right when circumstances don't seem to, to get right he loves us are you hearing me this morning here's what it says it says he wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son because of the sacrifice of the Messiah his blood poured out on the altar of the cross we're a free people free of penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds and not just barely free either abundantly free and verse 8 says he thought of everything provided everything we could possibly need verse 9 letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making He set all out. He set all out before us in Christ. A long range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. Oh, the tapestry of His love. Oh, the tapestry of his life. I have this picture of this guy in John 4, 38 years. He's on a little mat. Probably was poor. I mean, we don't know, but I'm assuming, I just imagine a mat that's just just a little mat. Burlap, you know? Just a little mat. So he doesn't have to lay on the dirt with a stone. Jesus walks in. To stop believing that super. He doesn't even tell him that. He just says, get up and walk. It was a pagan temple. Jesus walked in a pagan area where paganism was believed. And he healed a man with words of life that said, rise up. Rise up. But I almost feel like it's this picture where Again, we've we've talked about how God loves us and this and that and we're just staring at a couple threads. We've just barely begun to comprehend and discover God's love. It's a beautiful tapestry. It's a beautiful, immense tapestry. It's so much bigger and we have to keep journeying and keep growing and maturing in who we are so that we can bring people with us so there's room on our rug so there's room in this beautiful tapestry and we're no longer bound are you hearing me this morning we're no longer bound we're no longer bound by lies and superstition and our proverbial paralysis that we just feel like we can't the wind knocked out of us one too many times. I'm here to tell you right now, keep dreaming. I feel like the Lord right now, I feel like the Holy Spirit is arresting hearts and he's saying, don't ever stop dreaming about ministry. Don't ever stop dreaming about what ministry is. And even some of you feel like, I feel like I'm called to preach and I want to go to the nations and man, there's something burning in me. I feel like God's calls in my life. Don't ever stop dreaming. I call that gift inside of you alive. I've been there. I know what it feels like to feel like I'm not qualified. I don't 
I, I don't feel the shoes. And maybe I didn't at the time, but I had to remember. I, sometimes we forget who we are. Don't forget who you are. Teachers and preachers and prophetesses and prophets and apostles and pastors and evangelists. Oh, I say rise up. I say let the gift in you come alive. Let it come alive. And let it start by serving and humble foot washing, not searching for a platform. God, we just thank you right now. I pray, I want to pray. Would you just lay hands on the person next to you, just like on their shoulder or grab someone's hand if it's your spouse or family member. Here's what I want to pray right now. Let the love of God, let the love of God just come. And I pray for a greater revelation of the person to my right and my left right now. Just lift your hands and receive it. I pray for a greater revelation of the love of God. He loves you. He loves you. That's it. Just take a moment. Intercessors, would you just lift up a just a, a sound of burning incense in your prayer language going before the throne right now? That's it. I love that sound. Come on. Come on, intercessors with passion right now. He loves us. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. He loves us. That's it. Just pray for someone. He loves That's the love of God. The love of the Father. Love of the Father. Just take a few more minutes if that's all right. Lord, would you touch every heart and every life? Would you pour in? Would you pour in grace? Would you pour in refreshing? Would you pour in, Lord? Would you pour in? Papa, come on, just say, I receive it. Refreshing rain. He loves you. He loves you. Daddy's so proud of you. Papa's so proud of you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just a couple more moments of prayer come on just say it out loud say Father I receive your love thank you for your love thank you for your love Holy Spirit Holy Spirit Holy Spirit Holy Spirit
How many of you are crying right now? I can't even see. My eyes are burning. Oh, Jesus. So I want to close and dismiss you. Thank you for letting me take time to share my heart and preach to you this morning. But I want to dismiss and I want to ask our ministry team to get ready. We're going to have our prayer team up here. But you know what? I want to do this. We don't always do it like this, but I want to do this. And then if our, uh, in just a moment, our, our lighting person, I'm going to change it to just scene one, you know, like pre-service and turn these lights up here off because I want it dark up here. And the reason why is I want you, if you're sitting down right now and you're just being undone by his love and maybe you're even part of the prayer team, then don't even worry about ministering. Maybe you're even part of our staff. It doesn't matter. Your team leader, usher, doesn't matter. Any of you right now that just feels like I need to let God love me, I want to just come and, and do some carpet time. I want to sit on this carpet or bow before God or worship God or stay up here. I want to ask if that's any of you, would you just raise your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I really need to just soak in Daddy's love. Like, I need to go to the spa. I need to sit in the jacuzzi of God's love. I want to invite every one of you that raise your hand. Would you just come up here and worship? Go ahead, shift those lights. Change the lights. Shift the lights. Thank you. Just come up here. Would you just, you can kneel if you want. You can come and just, oh, Papa. You know, Jeff asked me, how can I pray for you this morning? I said, would you pray that the message that's burning in my heart would come forth and that everyone that comes to church would receive a greater revelation of the Father's love. That was my prayer. And I believe God's going to answer it right now. And so some of you that are up here, just come and just soak and just pray. Just be with God. Just sit in his lap. And there may be others you can come and pray. If you want to keep ministering, bro, well, let's get him a mic. Pastor Chris, would you do that? Just get him a mic and let him just release something. Just let them release something. We're going to burn now. And if any of our prayer ministry team wants to, in just a moment, in just a moment, we'll be praying for people up here. And if you want to be dismissed, you can. We love you. God bless you. Honey, you have anything? Just come. Would you come and officially dismiss? God, we're so grateful for your presence in this place. Your word says you won't leave us hungry or thirsty. You meet every need. So God, I just declare that over every heart and every life, you meet every need. In Jesus' name. We love you. You're dismissed. Um, I pray you have a wonderful, awesome, amazing week. And um, if it's your first time, please stop at our connect table. And if you, um, you want ministry, I just encourage you, hang around. Come forward. Even come sit closer if you want. Um, Our team is going to just be up here for a while, but you're blessed. We love you.